0: Welcome, this talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for
1: listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.
0: Some of you are aware that I went on a retreat recently, a seven-day retreat. I, I talked about it to a few of you and I really had a wonderful time and uh, recommend retreats if you can go for seven days, ten days, a month. It's a wonderful experience. This retreat was dedicated to exploring the five aggregates, the Buddhist teaching on the aggregates, which we've talked about in here before. Um, And seven days, so seven days we contemplated the aggregates, and I'll go over them with you, and we'll talk about them more. And felt like seven days we barely touched the surface of this teaching, just barely. And I know that on three-month retreats, people really study that and go into it and kind of get that felt sense of what the Buddha was talking about. So I wanted to share some of the magic of the retreat. I don't know if I could communicate it with you. Uh, there was something just magical about contemplating and studying and looking into this particular teaching and making it practical and personal. So I'm going to try um, to share this sweetness, this magic really deep teaching this morning. So, uh, the aggregates are also called skandhas, heaps, bundles, piles, and it means a bunch of things, a pile of things. That's all it means. And the Buddha is referring to how we take in phenomena in this complex and complicated body. The brain is so complex and contemplated, the body, the sensitivity, and um, the way we perceive things. As my body-mind perceives what's going on externally and internally, so do thousands of others. It's all the same mechanism. Right? The mechanism is the same in every being. and. Uh, It's very hard to make sense of this kind of complexity, hard for us to understand the brain, the body, our emotions, and how they all work together in the way that we see the world. And we struggle to really make sense of this. And what the Buddha is teaching is that Our perceptions and our sense of what's going on is in constant flux. It's constantly changing, millisecond by millisecond by millisecond. And even as I look around the room and look at all of you, there isn't one moment that's the same as we look out, right? It's constantly shifting. It's like the tides of sand beneath our feet. It's constantly shifting and changing. And so this is a way in to explore how this works, how we perceive and make up reality, and that reality is really conditioned on many, many different factors, and there's no real reality when you look at it. So he's pointing to that just about everything in phenomenon is arising vanishing, dissolving. It's all arising, vanishing, dissolving. I'll give the talk. The talk will be over. We'll leave. (laughs) It goes, right? It comes, it goes. Everything is like that. Your lunch is gonna be like that. The moment you have with your child is going to be like that. A conversation will be like that. Your body is like that. Everything is arising, vanishing, dissolving, but we rarely contemplate that. You know, we get caught and lost in it, and so um, they usually call this the five aggregates of clinging, because somewhere in the system we really get caught and we cling, and we forget that things are arising, vanishing, dissolving, that everything's in movement and flux, so we cling and we create a self. And it's not judgment. It's not bad or good. It's just kind of what we do, what human beings do. I think my dog does it, too. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure he's clinging.
2: <laughs>
0: so so I'll, I'll take you through them. And then um, I want to kind of not make this dry, but very alive for you and for me as a way out of suffering, right, a way out of unnecessary suffering, uh, stress, and tension. And maybe seeing through some of our delusions, illusions, and feeling a little more freedom in space. Anybody like space? so the first one, and, and actually before I left, because I knew this was complicated, I quickly wrote this on a poster. <laughs> so, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. I know Joel is looking at me like, what did she do? OK, so I'm going to leave this here, because it may, it may be important later. OK, first one is form. So let's explore form. If you close your eyes for a moment, and just take in a moment to feel this form sense this form from within feel the internal space of the body the energy of your hands where your body touches the cushion or the chair even the achiness or pain, that's, that's sometimes a way to find the body in an unpleasant way. You can even move your tongue in your mouth or feel the flutter of your eyes. This is form, the body. And the body has these sense doors, thinking. You may be thinking right now, maybe thinking, oh, this is boring, right? I'm itchy. There's thinking, that's a sense door. And now moving your awareness to hearing. This form, hearing. We're taking in data. Moving your hands on your legs or touching something, this is touch, another sense door. Slowly opening your eyes. And this is seeing, a very powerful sense door, right? Open your eyes slowly, know that you're seeing and see how powerful mindfulness is It, through the eye, it leaves the body very quickly. Yeah? It just goes. So form, this body, is a gateway to mindfulness, to the here and now. Because when you're in your body, sensing your body, very likely you're here in the moment. Do you notice that? You sense your body. It's a way to land in here right here right now and it's a good place to find a pause in your life to come into your body and pause it's, it's a it's the groundwork for practicing mindfulness on the cushion and off the cushion and talking to pause and find your body to take that moment to feel into what's here in the body what's here in the mind it ha- it's how we get here, and we know. So I'll come back to that. So I could, I'm watching some of you, and I could see some of you just the energy really going down and in, being present. I can almost feel some of you sinking into now just from that. It's observable. Here now. How am I here now? I'm here in my body right now is in my legs and my hips and my torso and my head and neck it's here now we embody it with our body and that's one of the buddha's primary teachings is mindfulness of body body here now so um these are happening all the time very rapidly i guess maybe even faster than milliseconds Mill milli milliseconds, and they're all happening at once. It's like a washing machine; everything's happening at once, or a dryer. You know, your clothes are all flipping around, right? It's not just your shirts that are being dried, or your pants. It's everything in the laundry is being dried at once, and that's what is happening here. It's happening all at once. So we, we just explored form. You're now mindful of form, form that brought you right here in this moment. And what happens is feeling happens. There is no particular order, but this is sort of a teaching order. Feeling happens in that when I open my eyes and I look out, all the senses, hearing, tasting, touch, I'm going to like it, I'm not going to like it, or I'm not going to even notice that it happened. I'm a fog. Or it's just so-so right It's happening to everybody all the time, including my dog <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: including our pets I, I think they do this too and uh, but sometimes we're not even aware that that's happening that we're reacting so much but we're really pulled in there's a lot of craving and clinging that comes in when we want more and we like it. One of the things that happened on the retreat that any of you have gone on retreats the food tends to be very good <laughs> right it's so good and i can't cook like that and even a lot of restaurants don't cook beautiful vegetarian food like that the, the food is excellent and on this retreat the food was super excellent super excellent and i every day getting to the last morsel on that plate <laughs> There was so much suffering, right? yeah. <laughs> clinging and grasping, wanting more, and if I went and got a second helping, I wouldn't help anyway, because then it's just greed, and, and then I'm uncomfortable and full, and it feels bad, you know, it doesn't work, so I had to sit with the impermanence of, and the craving for that food. It was so painful <laughs> on some level, right? So our cravings can be very painful right? and are pushing away and not wanting even more painful. So this is an important place to bring that awareness. Like we brought awareness in the body. We can bring awareness to what I like and what I don't like. And we'll talk a little more about that as we go on. So the next one is um, perception and that's... Um, we used to say in the old days, that's the encyclopedia. Now what do we say? It's the Wikipedia. <laughs> right? It's um, the eye makes contact, or the nose, or the ear. And we, we, we call up very quickly in the dictionary, or the Wikipedia of our brain, or the Google of our brain. And we go into the past, and we name it. We put a name on it, and a label. There's nothing wrong with it we need that to function in the world and get places and be coherent right and so it's not a wrong thing particularly right it's it helps us function we need to be able to say uh, water bottle um, couch chair we need that to function but it also is based on the past and conditioning of our culture and what we've learned and been taught, and very often we're labeling wrong. We're, it's the beginning of misperceiving. But if we're not mindful and aware, we don't know that. At the Montecito Center, we have creaky chairs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We had these nice, comfy chairs, and then they made an improvement, and now we have creaky chairs, a little <laughs> less comfortable. But the way this chair creaks it sounds like my coffee maker at home. I can't explain it. It has the same sound the of co- the water dripping from the coffee maker, that creak. So we're meditating, and I'll hear somebody creak on the chair, creak, creak, and I'll think, I can smell coffee almost. Mm-hmm. And I see coffee, I have an image of coffee. Very often, we're labeling in ways that we don't know. And they could be filled with misinformation, prejudice, um, it bias, in and out cast, right? And um, we see this in the news. Somebody's laying in a lounge at school and they're the, they're the out. They shouldn't be there. You know, somebody does something in Starbucks and they shouldn't be there. You know, we, we're suffering in culturally because we're labeling without being aware. it happens all the time. All the time. So I think you're beginning to get a flavor of why this could be an important practice and why one should spend time cultivating and we'll'll we'll, we'll keep building on that I found a I found one a couple of days ago I was watching a documentary on television and um, you know how documentaries always have like people of authority narrating, like a professor (laughs) or an expert in the field. telling They'll do a little clip in an interview, and then they'll go to the PhD or the expert, and the expert will give an overview. You know, you've seen that, right? And so um, this documentary, one of the experts, who was a PhD, had a facial deformity. And I I looked, my eyes made contact with her face. And my brain went no, no, no. I mean that prejudice against how an expert or a knowledgeable person should look. I found that in myself. Like, oh no, you can't be knowledgeable or an expert. You have a f- that comes from our culture, right? I've already I put that person out. It happened that quick, that quick. So. Um, Checking your dictionary. Checking your dictionary. Because it puts us in the past, and very often we're asleep, or are not in the moment. If we're just defining everything by memory, it's not fresh and new. We're living in the past already. If it's just old information, you're not getting any new information. So dropping some labels in what we know gives us the opportunity to be aware and open and receptive to what we don't know. So what about we walk around and go, I don't know what this is. I'm not going to call up in the back and pull up memory, right, and label it. And we do that with people. We'll see a face and we go, oh, I know her. She's like this. Oh, I know him. He's going to say that and do that. And I, you know. We don't let people be fresh and new for us. We don't let people evolve. We've put them in that box. So we do that with people. And then we live in these stories. And a lot of times, many of us know and, and I'm moving already into formation or fabrication, which is my favorite one, <laughs> because some of us really enjoy the stories we tell. <laughs> I mean, how many of us love the stories we tell? Once we identify something, we've got a really good story. Even if it's negative and depressing, even if it causes us pain, contraction, and suffering, even if we've told the story many, many, many times, we still like the story. Even when the story doesn't work, (laughs) we still like the story. I particularly have a, I love, I have a romance of story. Many of you have heard me say this before, but I came from a family of storytellers. The only problem was their stories were not very accurate. (laughs) They weren't accurate at all, but they liked the stories, and they were very funny um, and mesmerizing, and uh, they got, my family, it was, who could be a better storyteller? So these stories that we tell ourselves that we live in, it's pulling us out of present moment and what's happening really now. We're in a fantasy world. We're projecting and overlaying a story. And it doesn't allow us to see clearly and know clearly and find the wisdom of this moment when we do that, Mm -hmm. as entertaining as the stories are. so I love the word fabrication <coughs> and and this is where action can come in you can make up a story and then act on it and it may not be accurate so I love the word fabrication because um, we don't even know that we're fabricating the other day I'm gonna give you an example of this I was talking to a friend And she told me about this meeting that I was not in. I wasn't in the meeting. I could have been. And in that meeting, somebody lost their temper, which happens, and began yelling at everyone, loudly. And she was describing the person yelling, the reaction of people, her reaction, what happened in her body. It was actually a mindful conversation. Um, And before I knew it, before I knew it, these things happen very quickly. I said, without, within this my mind and my stories. Well, I would have just gotten up and walked out. I wouldn't have sat there with that, you know. And I realized as soon as I said it, this was. I'm telling a story. I wasn't there. I How <laughs> would I know what I would have done? I wasn't even in the room, right? But a lot of times we're not even in the room. And on the retreat. We had some time for dialogue to explore this. And this retreat had a small amount of dialogue in the afternoons. And uh, I, we were sharing in a small group, and I was saying to, to the group, well, you know how you have these conversations in your mind and you're talking to people? And first, when I said that, I didn't know. If, I thought, oh, maybe I'm the only one who talks <laughs> to people in my head, right? And, and then I said to the group, And you know how it's always a conversation that nobody wants to hear (laughs) or you're not going to have that conversation anyway, right? Or this conversation that you're having in your head isn't going to really make a point, but you keep having the conversation in your mind. And everybody in in the group went, yeah, I do that. I do that. I have these conversations in my mind. So fabrication, looking at that, is really, really interesting that we do we have stories all the time it's very typical for us to have a conversation and the next thing you know someone is telling you something that happened 15 years ago to them it just identification okay pull up the story now you're telling the story something wrong with it But a lot of times we're clinging and we're holding on and we're living in the story and we don't know it. We've lost our here and now. That happened yesterday to me. We were at a temple, a Buddhist temple, um, small group of us. And um, it was in Hacienda Heights, big Chinese Buddhist temple. And the lunch, We had lunch, and there are these rows. They set up the tables in rows, and you're facing in one direction. It was a little strange, the rows, yeah. And I was talking to some of the people who were in our group, and we were having this great conversation. And there was a moment, click, where it shifted for me. And what was happening was that while we were talking, um, for me, there was a presence of being here and now and in the body and really speaking present. And that felt really good and connecting in the moment, very fresh, very clean, just empty, listening, talking, listening, talking here in the body. And it, it was delightful. These people felt very new and fresh, and it felt very open. And then there was a moment where, click, my mind was talking and going off and imagining and going, oh, you know, and just, it left, left the body, left the field. And I could feel the difference, and then there was tension for me. It just didn't feel so good. So our fabrications, the stories that we do, take us out of who's with us in the moment and take us out of the moment, and then we make assumptions. And those assumptions can cause suffering for us and others. Yes? I just have a question.
3: So is the on the road to enlightenment, is the goal to just no fabrication, not not even using a story to shift the perspective, or is it just no stories? Just it's just these observable phenomena. It just is what it is, and yeah.
0: So the that's a great question um, because what when we talk about the skandhas or um, the aggregates, there could be a lot of aspiration, right? I vow to slay that. <laughs> I think we say that in the Zen. We we vow to knock it all down and be a Buddha. And um, so I'm going to answer that. And the last one here is consciousness, the ability to see the others, to see it, to know that your mind lands on it and knows, right? So what is the goal in awakening? Uh, To me, the goal in awakening is compassion for how complicated this is and how, um, how complex that I need to have compassion for myself and others in practice because this is um, not an easy practice and it takes some stick toing, stick to and dedication and day in day out and it actually takes years and years that's the truth right so that's one thing is full compassion because compassion helps us to relax and gain some tranquility right so I don't know if there are awakened beings that can let go and see this with awareness moment by moment. There might be some awakened beings on the planet who can actually do that. See through their fabrications, their formations, the perception, right? There might be some beings walking around. And I think if maybe if I were in a monastery devoting myself to this day in, day out, maybe I'd have more of a awareness but for us what I'd like to um, bring us back to is the fact that what we could do at any moment is pause at any moment on the cushion off the cushion we can pause come back and check in take a little mini vacation from our mind pushing us forward, push, push, push. That's what the mind does. What's next? What do I have to do next? Is this safe? Is it okay? Do I have to solve a problem? What problem do I have to solve? It? Who do I have to call? What do I, Did you do that? Okay, no, you didn't do that. Why didn't you do that? Come on, do that. No, I don't want to do that. All right? That's what the mind does. What's next? What's next? What do I have to fix?
2: <laughs>
0: right? Hurry up! We don't have all day. Why did you put that off? You're so dumb. You didn't do it. Go ahead, do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> right? Am I? Is, this, is that in your head? That's in my head. Right? That's what the life pushes us in this life. I hear they don't do that so much in Oregon or Washington. I don't know. I'm just joking. <laughs> but, but they do in California, you know? Right? We do here, like L.A. It's a very busy place. There's a lot of pressure. Come on. Come on. Come on. I have to tell you, even, I'll tell you a secret that Joel already knows. Even running a small group like this is filled with 10,000 chores. 10,000 chores. Did you do this? Did you do that? Come on. Did you get the, order of order the cushions? Where's the Donna? Did you answer that email? You know, it's like that. And the monastery at Ramnakrishna Monastery, I I talked to one of the swamis there, and we were talking about how beautiful the grounds were. And he said, oh, thank you for saying that, because I'm so busy, I forgot it was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So even in the monastery life, right? So our goal, Jacqueline, is that pause, to break out of that, to give ourselves a break, and to come back into the body, form, feel internally, what's going on, right? Sometimes we're going to name a faulty perception or an aversion. I don't like that. I'm pushing it away and I'm pushing it away and I'm pushing away. I'm creating stress and tension in my body and my body is going, new. No, right? And then we're all stressed out and yet it's already here. It's already happening. I'm pushing away something that's here in front of me. Uh, how c- that's not working, right? So you're going to pause and take that vacation, take that break, and find your form, find your body, find your breath, find the tension. And then it's an invitation to relax with it if you can. Now, sometimes we can relax the tension and find a little ease. Relax the muscle, relax the anxious thought or the angry thought, the hostility, um, the jaw gripping, the teeth grinding. And if we can, that's great, because we need that tranquility. We need to relax for insight. We need to calm and let go. We need to cultivate the let go and the calm. Sometimes we can't relax. We know our jaw is tight we're grinding our teeth and maybe we're in fight, flight or freeze and we're very agitated and you can't. That's the condition. You can't. It's a hard condition. Then we can accept and bring warmth and compassion to that moment. We yield. We open. We yield to it. Wow, this is a hard moment. This is a hard emotion. This fear is hard we accept an opening and yield relax yeah
3: and i think i had this very experience the other day a couple of days ago um, someone hit my car and left the scene mm-hmm. and you know i didn't like that <laughs> <laughs> you know but i kind of walked out there and whatever that didn't like feeling kind of came up and i felt the pause like i just felt like you know i don't need to make a suffering choice here and so I kind of just went into this neutral space and doing the stuff that I needed to do. And then I was able to have what kind of was, under the circumstances, kind of a lovely experience. Like everyone was so, like the insurance company was awesome. And they got me a rental car instantly. They came and took the car away. Everything, like in two hours, the police had come. My car had been taken away and I had a rental car. Like everything was kind of like, oh, I'm good. Everything is taken care of. I didn't like that this happened, but I'm okay.
0: There's a great example of how we practice, right? I mean, we didn't have to call you the in- awakened one, right? <laughs> but, well, we didn't have to go for full enlightenment. For some of us who are full enlightenment junkies, that was important. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you know, let's do you. Your I met the car that was form, right? Your sense door, you went oh unpleasant right (laughs) her car was hit somebody didn't left didn't leave their identification and that moment of pause there was a choice to unhook to release and relax the unpleasant reactivity right there was your pause pause relax open to it let go and when you did that then um, you didn't have to go to perception. This is horrible, and formation. You know, this is horrible. Who would do this? This ruins my day. I have no time. You reduced your suffering. There was much less suffering. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and then you open. Of course, of course, there's suffering, right? And then there's an openness, and you're gonna. And what happens next is that um, we're trusting what emerges you're trusting what emerges like, oh, insurance company person, not too bad. Rental car, okay. Because the clinging wasn't there. If you could cling, yeah, receptive, yeah. Because that could have ruined my day. And you walk around like this, my day is ruined. You know, and you're all, right? But when we open and trust, what we're really saying is life is very impermanent and uncertain and it's changing all the time and we don't really have control. So I'm going to just be open to what's here now and respond in the best way that I can. So what's the goal for today? It's that pause. Building in that pause, allowing yourself and myself to check in and drop in, breathe, and get out of the reactivity and the constant doing and the pushing for the next thing and the evaluating and all that, just coming in and seeing if you could find some relax, some ease, acceptance, and cultivating those moments. As those moments build, that pause, what's going on? What's happening? Relax, relax ease allow me to open to what's already here and accept yield because it's here already I may not like it but it's here or I may like it way too much and it's here right I may really be wanting a lot more of this right and it's here it's already here so finding that ease cultivating ease ease here and then we can open to it right and and this knowing this body mind the habit of this body mind gives us a chance for wisdom to pop up so we're not creating more suffering in ourselves and with others We're at the end of this talk. Yes, Katherine.
4: Um, what happens if, if your mind tends to, when you get the formations, then your mind has a habit of fixating on analyzing the formations. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're saying is it's better to just sit with them, with the formations, and if you find the analysis coming in, then you try to sit with that too and let that kind of go before before you get caught up in
0: Well, see, analysis is a tricky word because a lot of times we think we're analyzing something and we're ruminating. (laughs) We're going over old thoughts over and over again. It's like you almost know you're in a rut with your mind. It's like a tire in the snow or in the mud that can't get out. There's some analysis that has a lot of wisdom and that's more like inquiry, and you're really deconstructing and pulling apart. And there's some freedom in it. And, and you could feel it, because it's inquiry. It's deepening. It's pulling apart and deconstructing and freeing of a self, this idea of a self. And you know it when you're doing it. You feel that freedom. You feel something pull away and drop off. And then there's ruminating and telling a story over and over again, and that feels like the rat on the wheel or, or the tire in the, stuck in the mud and you can't move the car. So it's important to, to know and be mindful of that. Now, when it's too much uh, mental activity, too much analysis, because we live in our heads very disembodied and we could be intellectualized, our culture loves intellectualization. We, we love it. We give people titles for being very intellectualized. <laughs> a lot of us spend a lot of time and money being very intellectualized and getting another title, and that's okay. It's wonderful. I love learning. But that's why the Buddha talked about the body, mindfulness of the body. Come into the body form. Feel the body in the body as we contemplate. Does the mind and the body connect there?
4: The rumination and the deconstruction feel entirely different in your body.
0: Do you want to say more to that? How does that experience for you?
1: The rumination and the um, deconstruction feel very different in the
2: body) <laughs> 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 oh, <that was> profound. <laughs> 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 I'm trying
1: to imagine a sort of a counter example to Jacqueline's story where it seems like between feeling and perception there was a bit of a release of like you 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 weren't continuing on that path um, but I, I'm trying to imagine like how I would have a very empathic, Uh, conversation with like my mom or my best friend without really being utilizing perception and um, fabrication to do it because you know the history of my relationship with my mom is important to having the empathic conversation so it's not like we only want to abandon abandon everything at perception. Like of course we wouldn't be able to function, I wouldn't be able to get home. If I didn't use here <laughs> if I didn't use perception. Um, but more than that, we can be on the path. Um, we can use the practice while going into perce- utilizing perception and utilizing there There's going to be some way of egolessly you know going with that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think so, and what I think you're pointing to is when the Buddha taught on the aggregates, he was really teaching on a loosening of the I, me, and mine, of the self, the releasing this concept of self, of I, me, and mine, freeing ourselves from that. Yeah. So, I think what you're saying that I was feeling, it's not that we shouldn't do this. Of
4: course, we can't get across the street if we don't do these things. But it's dealing with them consciously. So when we do, we have to resort to the past, and we have to plan for the future, and we have to hurt when bad things happen, but it's when we get into our thinking that it's it's sort of taking yourself too seriously, I mean, in some ways, and not putting it in perspective, right? Because you have to do all these things, but it's how you handle it.
3: It's not clinging to the, to the stories that you're making. Yeah. yeah. Like to know I mean, you can sort, sort of
4: see beyond to to it. To it. this role that I'm playing on this stage.
5: Mm. Well, for example, if you're, cr- OK, so I'll just have a really tangible. So we cross the streets all the time, right? We cross the street. And we have to take, we have to look both ways. We have to wait until there's a signal that tells us to go. But this is horrible, but like for if you were in a car accident, um, that conditioning and that layering of perception and formation and fabrication is going to influence you walking the street, walking across the street in a very different way than somebody else. So I guess like what I feel like when I, because when I, I love this, when I you know, look at this is <laughs> what are we doing with our perception in that moment and i would actually say that there's a lot of it's i it there's a lot of freedom and like okay i'm meeting this i'm meeting this now anew with every with all of these of course i need to use my perception to live in this life but like how much am i layering on from like past formation and past fabrication so i'm not really meeting this i i'm not necessarily going to be being the most skillful skillful i can I might actually get paralyzed with fear and not cross
4: the street. Is that...? Anyway. Well, right. I mean, I was hit on a bicycle and broke six ribs. So I know how I feel when I'm on a bike and there's cars nearby. Mm -hmm. And knowing that helps me understand why I am as reactive. Now, that's not going to make it go away, but it makes it more navigable to have
5: that.
3: Uh, The Buddha said develop a mind which rests on nothing whatsoever. And I think when the formations come up and we allow ourselves to get pulled out of the present moment, um, our meditating helps us to let go of all that. uh, And so it just makes it so that when we're hungry, we eat. When we're tired, we rest. We have time to work we work. And when we're listening to someone or we're doing something, we're in that moment. And uh, that's wisdom, and that's
0: enlightenment. Yes, yes and it can be um, very lighthearted, too. Uh, I, I really encourage all of us to be very to be lighthearted with our practice. The uh, so world is just a very complex place, and the suffering is endless and as evidenced by today, by this week in the news, two people who look like they had everything, kill themselves. Mm-hmm. We have to really be compassionate to the suffering we don't even know exists. You see somebody and you think they're fine and their suffering is deep and we don't know, but it's so easy to judge and not know. So mostly we need to be compassionate and lighthearted And um, open to what we don't know. An example of lightheartedness, Friday, I start work at 1 o'clock, which is a lot of people are leaving at 1 (laughs) o'clock. And I come into the office at 1 o'clock on Friday, and that mind kicks in. The body tightens, and the mind is, oh, my God, go get your email. Did you call so-and-so? Check that do that write that note go talk to that person right the list starts right and I feel the body tense and just go into all this tension (coughs) I feel like a horse at the gate (laughs) don't and pause right the pause see the pause is the whole thing right pause in feel the body and the mind oh yeah mind's racing it wants to do and it's Rushing and the body is all tense. And uh, relax, open, do a very happy dance. I just danced, right? Shake it off, right? Dance. So you don't have to meditate always. You could dance, or you could laugh, you could breathe, or you could move. But a meditative mind will release and soften and and be present, just present to what is. And you know, just so open to what is. And then find some ease. Because we need that ease to land in the moment. Anybody else say something? yeah
1: uh, it's something you said a while ago um, is that sometimes this is the beginning of the teaching to not self that the way the Buddha used teaching the skandhas was to also have people compare to each one and go which one of those really makes up a you and none of them make up a you and so it's a tool that's a part of a tool that's one thought that's one way of teaching it um, which you touched on a little earlier
0: yeah yeah, so when he teaches on this, uh, they gave us one sutta to contemplate for the week. And, and this one you could contemplate for a lifetime. And, and he keeps pointing you to um, how your sense of self is so permeable, impermanent, and not tangible. And he, 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 he talks about... Now, suppose that a magician or a magician's apprentice were to display a magic trick at a major intersection, meaning a meeting place, right? And someone with good eyesight, good eyesight, were to see it, observe it, and appropriately examine it, which is what we're doing, right? To them, seeing it, observing it, and appropriately examining it, it would appear empty, void without substance for what substance would there be in a magic trick in the same way one sees observes and appropriately examines any consciousness that is past future or present internal or external blatant or subtle common or sublime far or near to them seeing it observing it and examining it it would appear empty Void without substance, for what substance would there be in consciousness? So we can get to that. We can get to that. Yeah, so thank you for bringing that back. Because yeah. by doing this, we kind of see the emptiness in it.
5: So is the consciousness then that, <clears throat> anyway, forgive me if you okay. want to explain this. But from the formation and fabrication to the consciousness. Um, I guess I'm trying to understand sort of the flavor and the transition there. And the, the consciousness is the. the
0: um, knowing capacity. It just knows capacity. it. It just knows it. It just knows. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It just knows. Yeah. Great. That's a great example. Like you saw your suffering, in the body and in the mind. You saw your suffering. The mind tells you you need to know, and in truth, do you? Right. <laughs> in truth, do we really know? We don't. It's hard for us, though, especially the um, the control people. Who are the control people in the room? Raise your hand. <laughs> It's almost like, you know, when you were a kid, or if you had a kid that was in the back seat of the car, and um, they said, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 800 times. We're still doing that. And, uh, am I here yet? Am I there yet? Is he there yet? Is he coming? You know, are we getting it? Right. It's like, and you believe that once you know that, life will be better. And then you find out that information and you go to the next thing that you don't know and that you need to have certain. It's so amazing. I'm so convinced that if I just get that one duck in order and I get that, it's all going to be good. That's what my mind says. It's all good. I'll be at peace and ease and it's all good. And then I get that information, I get that duck, I get that confirmation, I'm on to the next problem, (laughs) right? We're on to the next thing and the next thing. So you see your magic trick? So with great love, compassion, ease, warmth, gratitude to every being in this room, We dedicate the merits of our time together, which is so sweet, so special, so rich. We dedicate this merit, we come together for all beings who are suffering, suffering in ways we don't know, especially all beings who have physical illness, mental illness. suffering in ways we can't imagine that are unseen and seen. May all beings, all beings suffering be free. May all beings be free of suffering. May all beings experience compassion and care and get the help they need. May all beings be safe and free of harm and healthy healthy in body and mind. May they find peace, may we find peace. May all beings be free of this suffering. And with wisdom and knowledge and our peace, our generosity and care, may we serve them well. May we serve all beings well. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in
1: Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.